Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello and welcome to another bonus episode of The New Abnormal. And we thank you so much for being here. This week we have an extra special guest with Phoebe Robinson, who you may know from her work on Two Broke Girls, Broad City, and, well, tons of other things. But she's back with a brand new book called Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes. So we talked to her all about that today. Enjoy. Welcome to the new abnormal, Phoebe Robinson. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I want to talk about your book. I want to talk about your book imprint. I want to talk about your show. But let's start with the book imprint because I think it's really cool what you're doing and I would love you to explain it a little bit if you can. Yeah, of course. So my book imprint is called Tiny Reparations Books and I met my lit agent, Robert, back in 2014. He found me on some list of New York comedians who were, you know, I don't know, doing whatever. Like one of those lists that like shout people out but don't really change your career at all. (laughs) LOL. Yes. So he saw me on that and then he read a blog that I was writing at the time called Blaria, which stands for Black Daria. I love it. Yeah, thank you. And so he emailed me. He wrote, I'm sure you probably already have a book deal, uh, but if you don't, I would love to meet up and chat with you, which is so exciting because part of the reason why I started the blog is that I wanted to get a book deal and I just didn't know how. So we met up and I told him the idea for my first book, You Can't Touch My Hair. And he sort of got the sense that I wasn't a one and done kind of author. So he asked me sort of what the end game was. And, you know, I was just like, oh, yeah, I want to have an imprint. I had no idea what that meant. I just (laughs) wanted (laughs) at all. I I was just like I knew Toni Morrison edited books while she wrote. And I was like, that seems like a lot of work. But I think an imprint would be like way easier, which was (laughs) so dumb. I I love it. I mean, we're laughing because like Jesse and I both relate to being like, I think I want to da da da. So I, I just we relate. Yeah, I just, we always had that in the back of our minds. And, you know, he'd bring it up periodically. He'd be like, you know, what about an imprint? And I was like, oh, it's not the right time. It's not the right time. I'm doing two dope queens. I'm doing what have you. I'm pulled in different directions. And then before COVID, um, he and I had a conversation with my publisher, Plume. And I told him about Tiny Reparations books and like what I wanted to achieve. And it was just an exploratory call just to see like what's up and like where, you know, what the bandwidth was that they had. And then COVID happened. So I was kind of like, I think the world's in a really stressed out place. And I don't think, you know, doing an imprint right now is really that important. And then I I came up with this idea for this new book, Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes, during COVID. And I told Robert about it. And he was like, go write the proposal. So I did. And he was like, we're going to shop this proposal for your book and the imprint at the same time. Let's just do it. And so I said, "Okay, you sure people really want to have an imprint right now? And he was like, you know, publishing pay me is happening. You've been reading every day. You've had this idea for years. Let's just like really go for it. And so we did. And here we are. The, The imprint is alive. We have 11 books, including mine on the slate. Awesome. 
Yeah, and I'm really proud of it. So I hope that people really love the the books that we have to offer once they really start coming out next year. That is very cool. I am so uh, thrilled for you, and what a cool idea. So talk to me about this book, because the title... I feel this title so much. <laughs> my uh, my husband puts his like shoes on the bed, and I'm like, no! Oh my god! Right? I'm like, we put our shoes by the door because we're not yes. animals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, this was uh, a thing that was a big deal in my parents' house growing up. Like, they kept a very clean house. They, you know swept and mopped and vacuumed it every single week, wiping down baseboards, like dusted, they got into it. And with my brother and I, they were like, the outside world is funky and trifling and do not bring that in here. (laughs) Change your clothes. You know what I mean? And so that was just sort of one of the life lessons that kind of stuck with me that I didn't expect. And then I remember when I went off to college and I got my cute bedding from Target and, you know, my friends want want to come sit on the bed and I'd just be like, uh, you were on the subway. New York is disgusting. Like, get off my bed. <laughs> and because I write a lot about my parents in the book, I just thought it was just sort of like a, a nice nod to them. Let's talk about writing about parents because I also have parents. <laughs> Are they mad at you for writing about them or no? No, I just don't even tell them that I do it because if yeah. I were like, hey, I'm going to write about you guys, they would be like, don't write about me. So I just like do it and then like just deal with it later. And they're always good because I feel like, you know, what I wrote in the book about them, I didn't write anything like that made them look bad or anything. It just sort of like kind of made fun of, you know, sort of the way that they are sometimes. So I think when they read this, they'll, they'll get a kick out of it and everything will be cool. Yeah, you know, I come from a family of writers who write about each other all the time and you definitely just have to do, if you start worrying about what other people think of how they're depicted, you'll never write. Exactly. Yeah, it's but it is really interesting. So you have a number of shows. You have a talk show. You have a podcast. Yeah, I had uh, Black Frasier, which was going on. Um, but now I was running it with my boyfriend, who he's now back on the road touring with a rock band. So we're on hiatus until his schedule calms down. So there's, I don't know when there's going to be a season two of Black Frasier, but I hope there is because I had a great time interviewing people and giving out advice. Can you explain Black Frasier to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just like to give people advice, whether they ask for it or not. <laughs> yes. Me too. Yeah, and I've I've never seen Frasier before. My boyfriend has watched the entire series twice. And we were always joking to uh, say that I'm like a black Frasier. I'm like, great, let's just call the podcast that. And then each episode is sort of dedicated to a topic. Like I interviewed Abby Jacobson and that was about whether or not we're going to have have kids and I'm firmly on the side of not having kids and she's somewhere in the middle. And so we then we have people write in and sort of talk about you know, their journey and then ask us questions. And so, yeah, each episode has like a different sort of theme. And then we have people just write in and then we dole out some advice and then we say, good luck. We hope Mm -hmm. our advice doesn't (laughs) derail your life. And then that's it. (laughs) I love that. I mean, I think that's great. Like when you're giving advice, do you think people actually take advice? 
I mean, I think it's like anyone. Half the time you take the advice, half the time you don't because you already had your mind made up on what you want to do before you ask the advice. You just want to hear someone else either reaffirm what you wanted to do or just like give a different perspective that you can still go, oh, that's not for me. I'm going to do what I want to do. So I hope that, you know, with the advice that we gave on the show that it was helpful to some people. And if it wasn't helpful, it at least made them laugh. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it's, yeah, it it, it is an interesting and potentially tricky genre. Yes, absolutely. You don't want to say the the wrong thing and really like screw someone's life up because then (laughs) they're going to hate you for forever. (laughs) (laughs) So what is next for you? So the book coming out, um, I have a stand-up special coming out on HBO Max on October 14th called Sorry, Harriet Tubman. Will you talk to us a little bit about that? I'm just like, Harriet worked so hard. And then here I am making jokes about my boyfriend's penis. All (laughs) apologies. So sorry, Harriet. But in the the special, you know, I talk about, you know, dating my boyfriend. I talk about civil rights movies. About this time, I hung out with Michelle Obama on the Becoming Book Tour. Wow. Reparation. So, like, it really, like, runs the gamut. Um, My sex life. And it's really fun. (laughs) And I think people just need to feel joy and laugh. And so I hope everyone tunes in so I can put out a second hour. Um, So I have that. And then I'm just... We're in development on a couple of projects with our production company that we can't really talk about, but it's nice to just be on the producer side of things and helping shepherd these uh, projects along. So I'm really excited for that. And then I'll probably do a little bit more writing with a couple of ideas I have. I got to figure out how I want to get those out there and then take some time off. I'm really excited to, to have a break soon. Can you explain to us about White Saviors? Oh, yes. You know, they're out there, (laughs) y'all. I think we saw a lot of that during um, last summer with the George Floyd murder and just how some white people sort of then finally understood that racism exists and were like, move out of the way, y'all. I'm about to solve it all. And then (laughs) they solved nothing. Um, And just caused a lot of chaos. And so I think, you know, what I wrote about that in this book, Please Don't Sit on My Bed, I just really was just coming from a place of, listen, like, I understand that this may be new to a lot of people, (laughs) although I don't understand how you could live in America and this is new. But the way to, to go about solving things is not to take the fact that you looked up some infographics on Instagram and then decide that you're going to fix everything. It's really about listening, learning, and then doing kind of the things that are not glamorous that you can't post on Instagram, but are really actually beneficial to the lives of black people. So, you know, I think it's easy to kind of like come in and be like, oh, I want to to show everyone I'm on the right side of history, which, OK, fine. But it's really not about how things look. We need to focus on how things are and how we're going to fix them. What would you say? I mean, that is really, I think, uh, an important thing to talk about and also like really useful for people listening to this. What do you think they should be doing? One, people need to do research and look at what solutions they could do that are most in line with 
what's going on in their lives and whether that's sort of if you have kids, you want to be like more involved with the curriculum in school and making sure, you know, in literature classes, it's not just the quote unquote classics, which are just mostly like dead white guys, but they're reading books by other people or, you know, stop gentrifying neighborhoods or, um, you know, patronize businesses that are owned by people of color. You know, if you're only hiring people of color and subordinate positions at your company, look at why you're doing that and then change that. Um, I mean, there's so many these I'm just barely like touched the surface, you know, get more involved uh, with the local politics, because that's really the one thing that we can control. Like we can't really do anything at the federal level. So, yeah, I think just sort of figure out what's a problem and then look up solutions and, and realize how you could be a part of that solution. Yeah. And I think the school board, you hit on the school boards, which actually running for school boards is like one of the great things you can do. And the right has people running for school boards like mad in the hope of like preventing people from studying our American history. Yeah, it's horrible. With your stand up, does it feel very different than the writing and the interviewing? Yeah, I mean, I think each thing has its own rhythm and stand up certainly has that sort of you want that payoff, you want to laugh, you want to keep people in that state. And so, you know, I'm very aware of that rhythm. And I think with writing, certainly you can have some downbeats and go, I'm going to make a point. Whereas with stand up, you can make the point, but it's got to be really freaking funny. So it's just a different kind of pressure. It's a, but I, I welcome it all. I think it's all great. It's all different expressions of my personality, my brain. But yeah, they're they're really hard in their own specific, unique ways. Yeah, I mean, I've done some of the other stuff, but stand up seems a whole other level hard. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're standing on the stage and you'd be like, "Hey, give me your attention for a full hour." That's. <laughs> yeah. A big ask. And it's like, all right, well, you better have something to say. You better be really damn funny if you're going to sort of have that demand of the audience. And and, you know, when you uh, when you tell a joke that doesn't land or you're trying to build new material, which is a lot of sort of trying out the wording and figuring things out, you're going to have some not so great shows and have to sort of deal with that. Whereas if you write something and you're like, oh, this isn't good, I'll just delete it and then, you know, revise it. So there is that little bit of like you're sort of you're making mistakes in front of people, which you just have to sort of get used to. So talk to me about the kids chapter. That um, was the, the first chapter in the book. And, you know, my boyfriend and I, we decided that we were going to be voluntarily child free. And, you know, I think society has come a long way, but there's still a long way to go. And there's a lot of judgment around women in particular who decide to not have children. And um, and so I really wanted to write that just for other women who are feeling that way, or even for women who, for circumstances that we don't know, are unable to have children. And I just think there's a, a stigma and a, a judgmental aspect to either not wanting to have kids or not being able to have kids. And I think that it's good for no one to sort of treat women less than if they're not mothers. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Oh, that's so good. Everything you're doing is so important. And uh, I really appreciate it. I'm really excited for the books from your imprint. I think that that is so cool. And I'm very happy for you. And just thrilled that we got to have you on the podcast. Thank you. 
Thanks for having me on. I'll, real quick, I'll shout out the first two books that are coming out after mine. Yes, please do. On the slate, we have 11 books, including mine. Mine is coming out this year. And then we have five coming out next year and then five coming out in 2023. So first up next year, February 1st, is a book called What the Fireflies Knew by Kai Harris and It's a coming-of-age story about a preteen girl named KB, and her father passes away from drug use, and her mother sends KB and her older sister, who's, I don't know, like 15 or 16, to go live with their grandfather for the summer. And so it deals, of course, with grief, but also just... You know, you remember when you were like 12 or 13 and then like you're slowly starting to get your independence, but you don't really know what that means. Um, And you're trying to figure out your way in the world. And I remember when I was like a preteen and my brother is four years older than me there. You could be really close as kids. But when he's like 17, he's not going to hang out with his 13 year old sister and sort of like just re sort of reconfiguring what your sibling relationship is going to be as you guys age. Um, but it's a really heartwarming book. I loved it so much. Um, it's very moving and powerful. And then our second book coming out in April is called portrait of a thief by Grace D Lee. She wrote this book while in medical school. So I would never, ever complain again about writing a book. <laughs> um, and it's about, Five twenty-something Chinese Americans who are hired to uh, break into museums and steal Chinese artwork and send it back to China. And so, of course, it's about identity. It's about intergenerational relationships. But it's also at the heart of it. It's just like this really sort of like fast-paced heist narrative where you want you keep turning the page and you're really excited. And I, I love this book so much. I think it's so fantastic. And it hooked me from the first page. And I think people are really going to love it. Oh, I'm so psyched. Thank you so much, Phoebe. I'm really impressed with this and with everything you do. And I feel so glad that we got to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. This was so fun, y'all. On that note, we'll wrap this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking to smart folks from The Daily Beast and beyond from media culture, politics, and science will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.